0: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles.
1: Hi, I'm Patty Lepone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucy, I could literally sit and listen to you tell stories all day. You're one of my favorite storytellers. I remember the first <sighs> time I met you. We were like at a, like some little function for one of the like benefits that we were doing together, and I somehow got seated with you and like three other people, and I was just in awe. I just sat there in silence because you guys were telling so many great stories. It was, <laughs> it was amazing. But can I tell you a story real quick?
0: Yes, of course.
1: Okay, so when I first started this podcast, I I wanted to try and walk this line of not alienating people who don't necessarily eat, drink, and live musical theater, but also not bore the super serious fans. And so I tried to build in Easter eggs in the structure of the show, and if you see them and you get it, then you got it. And if you didn't, it's no big deal. Big deal. Character in West Side Story, Bob Fosse's last musical. That sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So the the name a Musical Theater Podcast is an ode to A Chorus Line. The logo, mm-hmm. which you can see on my shirt here, is, yeah. an, is an ode to I Can Get It For You wholesale. And when it came time to create the theme song, I I was a little stuck with that one. I I didn't want it to sound like solely golden age. So Michael Willett, who wrote the music for me, asked, well, what would little Jeffrey be excited to hear each episode? And pretty quickly, I said the overture to the Witches of Eastwick.
0: See? Oh, wow.
1: Right? Random. It feels, I don't know why, but it always has always felt super magical.
0: It's everything. It's dark. Yeah, It's exciting. It's funny. And then it's twisted. And it's 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 everything the Witches of Eastwick is. So Absolutely.
1: That's, yeah. So that's what he did. And listeners, that's what you've been listening to for almost 100 episodes now. And that's where you're about to hear our theme music that begins with a little ode to the Witches of Eastwick. Welcome, everybody, to a musical theater podcast where we discuss the cultural and emotional impact of some of our favorite musicals in theater history. My name is Jeffrey Scott Parsons. You can call me Jeff. Today, we are discussing the musical The Witches of Eastwick, which is obviously a personal fave, but was also a listener request from Cathro. I think I'm saying that correctly. From Brisbane. Did you say Brisbane or Brisbane? I don't know. In Australia. Brisbane. Brisbane. Brisbane, Brisbane, <laughs> Brisbane Australia, yeah. who actually caught the reference in the theme music. So well done, Cathro. Here to discuss this really fun show is a star of TV, film, and definitely musical theater. She originated Sonia in their playing our song and also starred in Pippin and Dirty Ron Scoundrels on Broadway. Everyone, please welcome Emmy winner, Golden Globe nominated. How cool is that, by the way? We just had the Golden Globes. Yeah. I like that. And one of the original witches of Eastwick, it's Lucy Arnaz. Yay!
0: Yay! Yay! It's me. I'm here.
1: Lucy, thank you so much for being here.
0: I love it. Thank you. This is fun.
1: Let's get this out of the way right at the top. You come from a showbiz fam. I do. You do. And a a family that has some uh, Broadway running through its veins. So Mm -hmm. your father, Desi Arnaz... Your mom, Lucille Ball, for those who may not know, I Love Lucy fame, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Had Broadway musicals. And so, and by the way, I want to shout out TCM's amazing podcast that you're on. Um, yeah. That's all about your mom. Lucy it's in, and it's and incredible. You know, yeah. It,
0: yeah. That was amazing. Wasn't it? he? They, he did a great job.
1: Oh my that. gosh. It's fantastic. So if if you want to hear more uh, from Lucy about her parents, please listen to that amazing podcast uh The Plot Thickens is what it's called. The
0: Plot Thickens Lucy/Lucy, Lucy, yeah.
1: Yeah. But I would love to hear about what they thought of musical theater and how you grew up with it at home.
0: Yeah, it's interesting cuz they met. My father did a one Broadway show called uh Too Many Girls.
1: Boy, <laughs> you know, boy so oh boy was that, that a time. Was
0: the, story, <laughs> the story of his life. Ah! And uh, and then um he, they sent him to Hollywood to make the film of Too Many Girls. And that's when he met my mother. So they actually met because of a Broadway musical. Wow. And Too Many Girls appeared uh, when it was on Broadway at the Imperial Theater where I did my Broadway debut and they're oh. playing our song. You're and a, Dirty Wild yeah. Scoundrels. How weird is that? And um, my mother did Wildcat after wild, she and my- Another bo- wild show. Reader. He actually produced part of it and was involved in it. Really? Um, she went to York, was on Broadway for a year and change- and took us with her. And so we saw a lot of shows during that time. We saw her show 27 times, you know, sure. and then I would go around on different days with my grandmother or whatever. And we would see, you know, Once Upon a Mattress with Carol Burnett. We saw the original Music Man with Robert Preston. We saw Miracle Worker with, you know, Patty Duke and Anne Bancroft. Just an incredible education. When you're that young, I was nine, you know? Wow. And then I was, I was 15 and I went back to New York uh, during the time I was on the Here's Lucy show with my mother, but I had some sort of public relations to do, and I was in New York, and I went to see Maine. I went to see Mm -hmm. Angela Lansbury in Maine, which is weird because my mother ended up doing the movie later on, like many years (laughs) later. (laughs) (laughs) Degrees of everything. Um, I saw Angela Lansbury walk down those stairs in the opening number, and I went, this is what I do. It just was very clear to me. Before that, it was like just fun, sort of a hobby. I choose my high school because they had a good drama department and was on my mother's show because I could learn a little bit, but I didn't know what I was going to do with all that. And I saw her and that whole thing and the overture and the people. And I said, that's your career there. That's This is what I do. This is what I do. Oh, my God. This is what I do. And it was so wow. different from my father and my mother because they had done shows, but they never wanted to go back. Mm. They didn't really oh, I got to go back to Broadway. My mother was, she always said things like, oh God, I might get stuck in a hit. I might get stuck in a hit. Can you imagine? It was like too much work, you know? Um, And my dad (laughs) would have preferred to have been singing all the time, you know, doing his shows. Even when he was on Broadway, he was doing three shows a a night at the, you know, La Conga Club. That's insane. So I was the only one who really went towards theater, but they both encouraged it like crazy because they had such respect for people who could do that. They both understood that this was like a lot of work yeah. for not for not much, you know, uh, money or esteem.
1: Comparatively it's, it, speaking. Yeah, it's, it's
0: comparatively speaking, it's it's like on the it's, it's a I want to say it's missionary work in some
1: respects. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's a lot of sacrifice.
0: You know, really, compared to movies and television and all the money you can make and and the residuals and all the stuff. We work really, really hard. We're on idle all day long even if we're not working all day, we're we're getting ready to work. And when yeah. we get and when we get there, it's hours of prep and do and come down and and you have to be at the top of your game. It's got to be perfect every time and you you got to live like a nun, you know, unless you're young and in there playing our song and you don't know that yet, in which case, <laughs> leave well and get really tired and lose your voice, oh, which God. almost happened once, but never oh. actually did. Oh, thank goodness. So I, I was the person in the family that they could sort of look to to represent theater because music was represented, television was represented, production was represented. And I had theater and that made me very happy that that was my ballywick, you know, that was mm. my
1: corner. That's fantastic. Yeah. I love that so much. I I was just thinking about it because I even when you go back and watch I Love Lucy, there's the entire episode that revolves around Most Happy Fella. Or interestingly um,
0: enough, what? Jeff, the, that whole show was like doing musical theater. Mm. So it's not surprising that I felt comfortable in the genre because they rehearsed like in a in a compact way. It was a week, not three weeks, maybe, but sure. you rehearsed just like you rehearse a play. Mm-hmm. And you do it from start to finish, just like you do a play. And there was music on almost every show. And there was live music at the, at, you know, the filming every week. And it felt like a compressed version of theater. So when I got out and did summer stock and regional theater, I, I felt very much at home like, oh, I've been doing this forever. Hmm. Interesting. Because it's live. You're performing for a live audience. You're rehearsing. You're not going to stop and go, oh, can we do that again? You know, yeah. I screwed that up. Can I do that? You don't get to do that in theater, and you didn't. We didn't do that on our show. Other shows do today. You go to a screening. You know, you go to the taping, filming, whatever they call it today. Right. Of one of Give those her sitcoms. Another and,
1: take. And yeah. The
0: audiences stay there for eight hours. It's insane. <laughs> they just keep doing things over and over and over again, and it's it's embarrassing, and they abuse the privilege of having a live audience. You know, why even have anybody there? Wow. But um, yeah. So I'm just saying It it, it was like live theater always.
1: Strangely That's really, who knows if this will go in the podcast but one thing that i find is always missing from our musical theater canon is music like the stuff your dad did so any chance that there's like a, a desi arnaz musical in the future
0: well we were writing one along uh, several years ago my husband and i decided that it would be a great way to tell the lucy desi story through his eyes mm. it'd be you know different. Uh, uh, most people know a lot about her, but they don't know a lot about what he struggled with and the revolution and coming here with nothing and, and creating what he created, meeting her, the whole music scene, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s. Yeah. And we were just calling it Desi, the musical. Mm. Um, but so many things happened during that time. And other people were doing Lucy, Desi. And I just said, there's too much. It's raining Lucy and Desi. I, I can't be the person doing yet another. So I we I shelved we shelved it, but we got a really good script. We could still do to this day. Okay. And then, of course, last year it truly was raining, Lucy and Desi. it was know, a lot of that. saturation. <laughs> it was a lot, and it was good stuff it too. It was really, really great
1: content. That.
0: And, um, but yeah, there should there should be a musical. It's like uh, like on your feet, you know. and It was yeah. the story of Gloria. Yeah. It was great to hear that music. Strangely enough, when my father and his Desi Arnaz orchestra were performing. They were finding their material primarily from Broadway. That's wow. what people did in those days. You know, and there were many more songs uh, covered from Broadway shows. Maybe an occasional movie, but mostly from Broadway shows. It's all those great composers writing for Broadway, and then the singers. There weren't as many singer-songwriters, mm. right? So singers would look to who's writing great music, and yeah. they they would go to Broadway. And and my my father's band always had this ability to play quote unquote, American music, but with this Latin feel that made it a whole other thing, you know, which is what I always loved about it.
1: So in many ways, it's giving people something they know, something they're comfortable with, but then making a little yeah, spicy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, well, thank you for talking about that with me. I've, I've always been curious. Mm-hmm. So now, obviously, your amazing career, which continues to this day, also includes The Witches of Eastwick, which feels like, look... This is what I'll say about this show. If the success of a musical was based solely on how badly its diehard fans wanted it to succeed, (laughs) The Witches of Eastwick would be huge. And I mean in terms of like success, because this show was huge. The the production couldn't have been bigger. But just in terms of everybody knowing it, it, it's still a show that people really want to see it have its day and maybe still hasn't gotten there but if you go back and listen to the cast album the beautiful cast album that you guys produced it's just full of so many yummy goodies i agree
0: i agree and i think if they go back as they did once i think john dempsey who wrote the book and the lyrics and dana Rowe wrote the music they went back and did a production of it somewhere it could have been here somewhere in the midwest i forget and used their original script.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: And the original script, I thought, was perfect. I thought it was flawless. I mean, it really, really... I say in my show when I talk about this, that it captured the sexiness and the fun and the darkness all together, like the movie with Jack Nicholson. and mm-hmm. So spot on that he just... It was a perfect construct of take that film. How do I mo- How do I make that into a musical? And what songs do I musical? What, what scenes do I musicalize? Right. Mm-hmm. I thought they did a spectacular job of that. I think it got twisted somehow when we got over to London and I, you know, I had a great time. I was very fortunate to be in, I was the only American cast in that yeah. show, which was an oddity, but I, they have, they have a way of sending up American stories. Do you know we're, what I'm saying? We're
1: doing America. I,
0: yeah if we were doing it here we would look at the new england and the witch hunt and all this stuff that it's supposed to be about and bigotry and racism and whatever all that you know otherness we don't like othernesses and we would take it on you know in a comical but it ain't that funny kind of way
1: yeah
0: there was something cartoonish about what happened to Witches of Eastwick on stage. Not always the music, because what was left of the music was okay, but it was the visual and what it felt like. It felt in the big picture, in the long run, a little too cartoonish. And that's what I heard from many, many people who, who came to see it. Mm. And you know how they're like, they wonder why it didn't come here. And you go, well, when there's a musical in London and people are running from here to go see it, and then they come back and they go, what'd you see? And you, you list and you go, oh, how was that? And you go, oh my God. Or you go, It was good. Mm. We got a lot of, it was good. And that's not good enough. You know, that doesn't create the buzz that people, oh, it's got to come here. It's got to. And then we had problems while we were over there too, because it was mad cow disease after we opened. So people didn't want, remember that? Mac yes,
1: that's right
0: uh-huh so nobody wanted to go to london because like you can't eat the meat you know you can't go out to dinner you can't go to- and then there was a tube strike so it was like the entire subway system went on strike so nobody could get to the theater and that was rotten because we got it's some pretty good rotten rot- timing rotten timing and cameron and mcintosh bless him kept putting his own money in during that time so we'll just get through this we'll get through this but it's like it never quit and um So that combined with the fact that somehow the show twisted its intent, I want to
1: say, you know? Sure, sure. Oh, that's fascinating. Hey, listeners, have you tried Factor yet? Remember Factor Meals? They were supposed to send me a box to try out, but they don't ship to Hawaii, so now I'm stuck with my Taco Bell. And now it's up to you. It's up to you to try it and let me know how it is cause it's May and we can't eat like it's the holidays anymore. We're trying to get our summer bodies together and factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, You'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting food. You can choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, whatever you want—it's here. Head to FactorMeals.com/MusicalTheater50. That's Musical Theater with an ER, and use code MusicalTheater50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Musical Theater 50 at slash Musical Theater 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. So, the show, based on John Updike's novel, The Witches of Eastwick, which came out, I believe, in 1984, was a huge hit and then became a movie a couple years after which it blows my mind that George Miller the guy who did all of the Mad Max movies did this film version of the witches of Eastwick it's, it's crazy to me and i recently went back to watch it because it was on hbo max and i had seen it before but coming at it in like 20 with 2022 energy the things that that kind of came out to me and by the way just a very brief synopsis and that because we will go through the show three women small town get seduced by the devil and then realize their power to defeat him
0: that's the pitch so going back
1: and that that's the pitch the elevator pitch going back and see the movie though the two the two things that really came out to me is number one how horny this movie is like the <laughs> this would never get done Nowadays, on that kind of a scale. Like, it's so expensive. It has so much money behind it. It's a gorgeous-looking movie. And they're talking about sex, honestly, the entire time. Yeah. And, but also, number two, how kind of unsettling it is. Like, the the death scene with all of the cherry pits, the, the woman um, vomiting. It's actually, like... I don't get any satisfaction about watching that woman go through that. Right. It's quite disturbing.
0: Right. So
1: it's this, like you're saying, it's this combination of sexy and scary Mm -hmm. and also really beautifully produced stuff as well. A fascinating IP that has also been a little controversial because I think that people are interested as to what the intention of this show is or of this story. Is it a send-up of small-town America? Is it a takedown of the patriarchy? Is it a story of women empowerment? Or is it ultimately just showing that women's lives constantly revolve around a man? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thank you, everyone. Good night.
0: I think you analyzed (laughs) it very well. And I think it's a little bit of all that stuff which good yep. musicals, good stories really are. It talks about this, talks about that. You can look at it from all those angles. It's, it's women, I think in the long run, what do we learn? We learn that women can empower themselves to say, no, I don't have to do what you tell me to. Even though you made me feel kind of great that you told me that, but you've been mm-hmm. saying that to everybody. So I don't trust you and you have ulterior motives and I'm going to do what's right for me. And I'm going to get the the guts and the courage to get that out of my life whatever that represents like is the devil a devil is the devil a person is the devil an addiction mm. what is mm. it great point that they are fighting against something that gave them power showed them how beautiful they were showed them how powerful may my god we can do that we can do that it's mm. almost like Sure. It could be a little bit of what goes on with women's lib and everything. Like for years, women just believed that they shouldn't do this. They shouldn't do that. They can't do this. They mustn't do that. You know? And then it's like, wait a minute, we can. Oh, and we do. And we're good at it. What? What? Oh, wow, That's exciting. And then wait a minute, you can't tell us we can't do that. We already found out we can stop it.
1: You know? <laughs> can't put it back.
0: No. And there was something about this wonderful spirit, let's call him that came in and gave them all of this stuff but then he wanted to manipulate it, and he didn't want them to do what they wanted to do, and he wanted to control them and make control. Them do this and they wait, what? Whoa, no, 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 no! You don't get to do that. We're still in charge, right? They got in over their heads, you know, and then they realized that what they were asking for was not all it was, you know, chalked up to be. It was something else entirely. And so in a way, it is kind of like addiction, isn't it? It's like something that makes you feel really good and you feel empowered and I can do so much more when I'm on this drug, you know? Sure. And then you go, know, God, this drug is screwing me over. It's ruining my life. I got to get rid of this. taking over my it's life. It's so easy to get rid of the demon, mm. right? It's not so easy to step aside from the darkness. And he represents the darkness, you know?
1: That's great. The darkness can be wow.
0: very seductive.
1: One of the things that I was thinking about is how... Uh, we can't really choose when either privilege or trauma comes into our life, Mm -hmm. but we can decide what to do with it. Right. And,
0: uh, exactly.
1: Here are these women who, you know, have conjured up this entity, this energy that brings them a lot, but then it is ultimately up to them to decide what they do with it and decide if it's going to continue with them for their the rest of their lives or not.
0: Yeah. We all have an enormous power inside of us. We don't even realize how much power we all have, S- you know, spirit-like almost, like magical, mm-hmm. magical sure. stuff. How do we use it? What do we do with that? Because we can do bad stuff with it because we're very powerful people and we can use our words and we can use seductive techniques and our creativity and we can put it to terrible use and destroy things or we can put it to good use and help people. And it's, it's our choice, right? It's all about choices.
1: That's great. All right. So let's actually talk through the show because I think so many things are going to come up, um, mm-hmm. including some of your crazy experiences flying over the audience, all of those sorts of things I want to touch on. The show begins, obviously, with the overture, but we're introduced to this town of Eastwick. A little
0: conservative New England town.
1: Which I think is important because when we do talk about the history of like the Salem witch trials and things yeah. like that, like New England has kind of a yeah. I think that's where they
0: said it in the film and we didn't mess with that. That's what it was. And so that's what we did. There's a Protestantness about it, you know, like a, a mm. very Puritanness Puritan-ness about this particular town and the woman who basically runs it and who creates, you know, she's the Tea Party head and she's gonna say what goes and what doesn't go and You know, for all intents and purposes. Uh,
1: So this woman that you're talking about, she's kind of the antagonist of the whole story. Her name's Felicia. Felicia. She ends up
0: cherries, like you said before.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Poor thing. And um, she's definitely the town busybody, but also in many ways is like a Daryl in terms of control. She wants to control all of the elements of this town and how everything is seen and run. Um, but I I would say all from a superficial standpoint, right? Totally. totally. Uh, She wants everything to look perfect, but not necessarily be perfect because deep down she knows that's not possible. I mean, her marriage, for example,
0: and asexual in that respect, she can't imagine that women are having a thing with this guy and she's probably very attracted to him herself and she can't even let herself believe that. And she's married Mm. to a nebbishy guy who, you know. He's smart, but she overpowers him all the time. It's like
1: it's like Once Upon a Mattress, the queen and the mute king. The queen, you're, you're totally right. You're absolutely right. Her husband is actually having an affair with one of the witches themselves. Now, do you feel like these three women who kind of make up this coven the character that you played, Alexandra, and then there's also Sookie and Jane. Mm -hmm. These three women who are a little ostracized by the town, who feel very different, who feel that there's not a place for them, as we discover in the opening number, Eastwick knows. But do you think that they are witches from the get-go?
0: You know, it's so. I always lived in the metaphor of of the play. Uh, I didn't really ever think we're witches, even though we had spells and, you know, dry ice all over the stage. <laughs> I just always felt that we were somewhere in our head. You know, we were somewhere in our head about mm-hmm. uh, trying to find our power. That's all. And we were women who were to some extent uptight, just like the rest of the town. Maria Friedman was, she was uptight. She was having an, an affair, but not like a salacious, Hey baby affair. She did not, that. She was just like, Oh, I, mm, you know, she can't even speak three words. And, you know, Joanna Writing played um, Jane, and Jane was uptight in her own. Mu- I'm in my music, and I couldn't possibly, you know. And then she has a forget all three of them. You know, it's 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 tight yeah. sexuality. Is the play is about that a lot? And it's about yeah. if I say the Tea Party, the the far right, whatever the you know evangelical religion people who take away the joy from everything that has anything to do with your body or you know your mind. Mm fear-based religion, you're gonna go straight to hell, don't ever let a man touch you there, all those crazy things, and it's all about that. So I don't think they were witches, I think they were women who had not discovered their sexuality yet.
1: And do you know what, this is so cool, because I had never put this together, all three are artists in their own way. Yeah. Alex is a sculpt, she's a sculptress, mm-hmm. Jane is a musician, uh, Suki is a writer, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. All of these women, are in a creative field in a town where cr- creativity, the actual act of creation is, is yeah. totally against the yeah.
0: rules. Yeah.
1: And the first scene that the three women have together is like a girl's night out. They seem to have like their weekly mm-hmm. get together and they are immediately like talking about sex. Like the, the, these are women getting together and having like a, a real conversation. Yeah. yeah. Where do we go? Which is, i'm I'm trying to think of another musical before this that did that where like women just got together and spoke frankly about sex. I'm not entirely sure I can think of one off the top of my head i mean
0: well did we speak speak frankly about it? I mean, I don't remember that part I mean
1: you're uh, <laughs> I read the script, I read through, there are two scripts online that I ran into. The one that I followed most closely to the cast recording is the one that I think that you had. Jane says to you, um, because everybody's having an affair with somebody, and Suki says, it's not like, I'm not trying to steal him away from his family, Alex, it's just sometimes I, uh, you know, I need someone. And then Jane says, it's no different than you, and what's his name this week? meaning like alexandra's constantly getting some and then you said or alexandra says just making up for lost time since the divorce Janie."
0: i don't remember any of this dialogue looks this sounds like a script that was done somewhere else
1: oh really maybe
0: saying any of that
1: okay interesting so maybe they maybe they made it a little bit more sexy time i don't know anyway
0: they may have because i don't remember that i think that would have changed the focus of of who we were and how, why we were there—that's oh, bizarre.
1: Interesting. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it is
0: interesting. I didn't know that they had done that, or that they. But it doesn't surprise me when you think the musical didn't work, and you want to do it again somewhere. People start messing with the book and make it. Oh well, let's make it more about this. Let's make it more about that. But apparently, that didn't work either because.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, so this is interesting. So what you remember is this idea that these three women are artists who are trapped from exploring that true passionate side of themselves yeah um, they're, stuck.
0: They're, they're stuck they're stuck they're stuck in a lot of in a lot of ways they're just stuck they're stuck with their martini glasses and this ridiculous thing they do every every night the, the town thinks they're too wacky too hippie, too boring mm. too something i don't know what but too unlike them and mm. they just have each other and then they dream about the prince charming like women do as if a prince charming is going to freaking make you perfect. Well, you got to find your guy. If you find your guy, then your life is going to be fine. I think this is all about, no, I'm actually okay by myself.
1: And how how cool that, uh, speaking of the, the song, when they're talking about who could this person be, you can't really escape the culture that you're swimming in. Even if you are an artist, even if you are uh, have these these great dreams, these women are still living in this town. And so, of course, they're thinking maybe a a man could solve the problems. Yeah, that's you know, because like you're you're still swimming in the culture. Yeah, absolutely. So this this night of conjuring brings out, <laughs> literally, maybe from hell, uh, Daryl, is the man's name. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on this guy because he always he has to be a little bit disgusting. And a little bit charming, and a little, you know what I mean? Like, that's that Jack oh, he's, Nicholson he's type. Every of...
0: woman's favorite bad boy. Yeah. Gals have their bad boy period. You know, I certainly did. And I just gonna go after them because they're trouble. And it's <laughs> sexy, it's hot yeah. until you realize it's not. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> terrible. It <laughs> is terrible. You can get hooked on the kind of. There's a look in their eye. Right?
1: There's, a, there's a great line from that Amy Schumer movie, Trainwreck, where she's like, I should be with like the best sex of my life guy. And her sister's like, no, the best sex of your life guy's in jail. You don't want that guy.
0: <laughs> Sometimes you can have both.
1: So there you go.
0: Sometimes you can marry both, and and it doesn't mean it stays that way for forty three years because you know you get over it after a while, and it's like eh, (laughs) doesn't matter that 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 shit doesn't matter anymore. But (laughs) but you you know you if you keep looking for for that you will never find longevity. You have to start with friendship Mm. and kindness, and and then hope that
1: you know the rest of it works. So let's talk through these seductions because Daryl has his moment with each of these women separately before they all realize that they've kind of joined a harem. Yeah. Um, The first one is your role, Alex. And what is the uh, kind of end that he sees with her? Because he's very perceptive. I mean, you got to hand it to him.
0: He tells her that she can... Be a great sculptress. And she doesn't believe that. She doesn't believe she really... She believes she liked to think she has talent, but nobody else has ever said that. They don't like what she does. She makes these little booby things that they don't know what this is. And they look at her crazy like, why are you doing that with your life? And he comes in and lies to her basically and says, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. You're the most talented. So somebody who sees you for the first Mm -hmm. time, you know? And um, she doesn't trust it because she's kind of the most weary of wary of the three but he wins he wins her over it's a hard win because Mm she wasn't as susceptible Uh, but I guess she really needed to be told that she was good at what she did yeah you know as different from the other girls had other problems but she needed somebody to say keep going you're good
1: do you think because she's also the oldest of the three do you think that plays into it at all
0: yeah, probably. I mean, she—we always said she was more the mothering of the three, and um, hence more worried about who this guy is and not trusting him. And um, mm-hmm. but also, she's older, and you know, time is a- a fleeting, and she's she doesn't have her life together yet. And uh, and he really paints a picture that you know, it's like, well, it's now or never, and maybe it's now, and maybe you're the guy, and then maybe it's all here. Maybe you're the one that makes this happen for me. I don't know. Wow. wow. Amazing. Mm-hmm. That could happen. She,
1: uh, at least from <clears throat> the clips that I've seen online and the scripts that I've gone through, you had so many great zinger lines, you know? Yeah. She um, has good- it reminds me of even like Muriel and Dirty Ron Scoundrels, just so many great lines. When did you f- realize that like you had that talent, that you had that ear, the rhythm for delivering those zingers? Because I think it's something you can you can teach it, but like you either got it or you don't.
0: That's funny, yeah. I think you either hear it naturally, uh, and probably I grew up with it, you know. My mom was known as the drop gag gal when she was (laughs) in movies, B-pictures, before she was discovered to do great comedy and did Ida Lucy. And um, she was great at that. And I always loved Mm -hmm. those movies, you know, with the old, the dames that had the walk in a room, say something, slam the door, you know. (laughs) Stage door, full of those people talking like that. Love that movie. And um, so I understood that. Dry comedy, you know, say it, drop it. It's not funny, go because we it's didn't so actually great. do that on the the Lucy show wasn't like that. the Ida Lucy Show wasn't like that, and here's Lucy wasn't like that. There aren't very many scripts that I got a chance to do that was like that were like that that's um it's fun, mm. it's fun to play people like
1: that. It's so fun, and I you know for. Any of my Gen Zers who may be listening, go back and study these types of movies because it's a yeah. it's a sense of comedy that's really important to yeah. this art form, and i it, and it's it's going to disappear if we don't.
0: You know what's great about it. I think what's great about that that kind of comedy is that underneath it is not a very happy person at the moment. Usually, it's somebody a little ticked off, you know, mm-hmm. and so they're not going to say something kind and sort of deal with it. They're going to go what that a bump up you know, it's a rhythm and <laughs> my. I'm Cuban, you know, I was 50% Cuban and my father's <laughs> big in music. So I like l- lines that have rhythms, you know,
1: a two. That's so true. Yeah. Literally. I mean, what's the old ad? like, But um, right? My
0: My Never. stepfather, Gary Morton, he used to say something when he would think it was funny and he'd go like, and then they all died. Two, three, four. <laughs> <laughs> it would just count afterwards. Count it out. Like, two, three, four. Okay. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs>
1: oh, that's great. Oh, I love that. <clears throat> okay, next seduction. We got Jane. Next
0: Jane, seduction.
1: Next seduction. We got Jane, who's uh she she plays the cello? The cello. Yes. And she plays it very rigidly, she's very technique-based. And um, there's this, it's just this amazing song that Joanna Riding did uh, called Waiting for the Music to Begin. A great lyric. Oh, my gosh. Right. You're playing music, but you're actually waiting for the real music to begin. When it's do brilliant. when does the passion take over?
0: John Dempsey. Imagine. And there's nothing in the movie really that represents that. There's just a an essence of it. There's nothing mm-hmm. there that says that. And he found that and made that. Song happen, and you just see so much more about that character when it's musicalized like that. That's what we do in musicals. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can do yeah. the deep dive into who this person is just with a lyric and the way mm-hmm. you make the music. You know,
1: it's it's a just perfectly constructed song. It's so great, and Joanna Riding sings the crap out of it. She sure does. Uh, the all three of you women, by the way, just sound phenomenal. You have this such a unique. Beautiful silvery tone that really is kind of the MVP in my opinion of the three-part harmonies because you fit right in there so beautifully and make it just shimmer. Thank so, you so rah-rah. much. It
0: was, you know, that was. Yeah, I know you're not talking about this right now, but since you brought it up, one of the hardest things for all three of us to do because there were three leading ladies in this show and the musical director David Caddick, who does a lot of Cameron's shows, he kept reminding us that we are a chorus that we are singing together mm. and we have to do three part harmony and we have to be concise with um, how we hit the notes. We can't improvise like all three of us do when we're doing our club acts or something like that.
1: Oh, sure. Right. Sure, right.
0: Oh, I think I'm going to over the bar here. I'm going to do, and we were all used to that and so we're like, no, 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 you're going to march in step, you know, mm. you're part of a chorus line now. And, yeah. It was fascinating. I mean, to really have to hit a note a certain way. And and he's a taskmaster, too, because, you know, you if you weren't right there, right on it. And I, I was, you know, a year and a half of just really learning how to sing, which
1: was great. Wow. Well, like I said, all three are amazing. Yeah. Um, in, in this song, Daryl kind of helps unleash the beast, so to speak. And so Jane, while playing the cello, uh, not only discovers her music, but discovers her orgasm as well and it's it's I mean it's so great you have to listen to it everybody if you don't already know it the third seduction is with Miss and it's a little bit more innocent because like you said she is she is timid she can barely put together a sentence and yet she's a writer so she has this belief, this shadow belief, this story, this old story that she's telling herself that she can't find the words. And um, what a perfect way to embody that by creating a patter song.
0: Mm-hmm. I have to give it to Maria too because I don't even remember what she sang before, but it seemed good enough. It seemed like a good oh, song. And unbeknownst to the rest of us, she was meeting secretly with John Dempsey and Dana Rowe and saying, you got to give me a better song. I'm not going <laughs> to play with this. I, I, I need a song. I need a song. I can kill freaking song, but this isn't the song I can kill. Oh, and she wow. was right. Cause it was a good song. Then she came back one day and with that words, 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 and we all went, excuse me. <laughs> I didn't know there were other things on the menu. I thought it we <laughs> in front of us, you know, like what you got to do. What did you just do? How did she get that?
1: You know, how did, how did she get to order a showstopper off the menu? No. <laughs> That's, great. No, That's no, no. She
0: was right, and they, they, you know, they listened and they went, okay. Well, she really, she really lobbied for it. She, she was bold, and I wouldn't have had the guts. I was, I'm like the girl with the coffee cup. Hi, I'm here. I'm going to learn my part, and I'm going to be good. I. She was like, yeah, I need a better song. Was and she,
1: it's a great song.
0: Yeah. That's why I said more power to you, Maria, you know.
1: That's amazing. By the end of this song, she's talking so fast that uh, you, can't, you can't even believe it, right? She, she has found her word. She's found her voice, which yeah. I think is the in for giving in to Daryl, is um, her gratitude for that. Uh, even though she already, she always had it. And I think that that's kind of the Wizard of Oz moment for all of you mm-hmm. yeah. in this show yeah. is that you always had it.
0: That's right. That's exactly. They're, they're very similar in that respect. Somebody telling you the simplest thing that makes you go, oh, is that what it is? You know,
1: like, mm-hmm.
0: I had it all the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, I got to hand it to John Updike because he really did pick kind of the most salacious thing for, to, you know, to happen into in a small town. Because I grew up in a small town and while there may have been like little town gossip, there was nothing like this. No, which is that this stranger comes into town, buys the biggest house that sat empty forever and has the three women join him constantly for little rendezvous and they see them coming. The whole town sees them coming and going and coming and going. And that gives way to this huge production number, which, by the way, I I listened to the cast album again for the, you know, thousandth time yesterday and all of these songs are huge numbers, like huge production numbers. This mm-hmm. dirty laundry number goes on mm-hmm. and on and on. It so, does. talk to me a little bit about like the tech process of the show cuz it was a biggie. Well,
0: we rehearsed for this show for 4 months. Oh my I, gosh. Yeah. When does that ever happen?
1: Never. No. Never.
0: Well, first of all, we had to fly, so there was that. So they they allocated almost an entire 3 weeks just to us getting good enough to know what to do to for this to work and to be safe. And, you know, you got to train a little bit, but right. it was a long process. I, I don't know if it was what they do in England. They give you more, mm-hmm. it was a brand new musical. Did they give you more time? I, I don't know, but I, I went to April, May, June, July. I got there in April and we opened on my birthday, July 17th. So four months and, oh, wow. uh, Bob Avian was our choreographer and Stephen Muir was his associate. Stephen Muir now is a huge choreographer in his own right. And you have they, Mary Poppins most famously. They did several versions of each one of these numbers. You have no idea. Um, mm. We made so many changes during rehearsals, during previews, <sighs> but the, the production numbers were insane and they just kept getting bigger and bigger because of the ideas they had to, to what to do. And we had such an incredible chorus, the, the ensemble was so talented that, you know, Bob would throw something at him, Steven, whatever, and, and they would just kill it. And he'd go, oh, my God, well, now we, we know we can do that. We can even do this. And it just kept growing and getting bigger and getting more wonderful. And, but, you know, it's weird. There was even a whole new opening. There was an opening you never saw. With an empty stage and this ship that goes by in the background to sort of set the scene of where we are in New England, and then you sort of zoom in and you and you come up, and then you realize where you are. It's like an aerial view, and it was it was oh, remarkable. The little girls singing at the top—they cut all of that. One night, we came in and they went, "Yeah, that's all gone." And I'm, oh, <laughs> what do you mean? How are you gonna? We're just gonna open with the little girls singing.
1: That, that was a lot of money.
0: Like a million dollars just went out the door. Wow. I said, if somebody could just go run catch that truck, you could put on a whole new musical with what we just gave away. <laughs> just look at what's there and create another show. Because
1: I create another show with just that opening shot.
0: There's so much. There's so many props and so much set that just disappeared. Unbelievable.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah, and they and and Cameron would come in sometimes, and they would have uh, choreographed an entire scene, and the devil would be singing or doing whatever. And Cameron would go, that doesn't work. I don't like it. I don't, I just don't like that. And so Eric Schaefer, who, you know, had not worked with Cameron before, doesn't know that that Cameron likes to do that. And that Mm. Cameron likes to come in and say what he thinks doesn't work. But Cameron doesn't always know how to fix it. He's a great Mm. producer, but he's not the director, but he likes to direct. Mm -hmm. Trevor Nunn's contract, I was told, it says that Cameron doesn't get to come to any of the rehearsals until they're about to open. Because well, that's somebody who's to, worked with him before. He likes to say, oh, do this, do this. He's like a too many cooks in the broth kind of thing. And some of his ideas mm-hmm. are good, but you need a really strong director with a vision to say, I know, it doesn't work yet. We know how to fix it. But thank you. You're right. It doesn't quite work yet. And okay, I'll fix it. Mm-hmm. Instead of, well, what do you think we should do? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I think you should cut that and make him do mm-hmm. the. You know, like the rest of us are going, <laughs> you know, don't do that. You know. <laughs> you cut what, wow. you know, so
1: interesting. And well, that's why I say
0: it'd be interesting to see the original show put on with the original script, the original songs, except for Maria's words,
1: words, words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess we have We'll, a- we'll switch that, one up. We'll give it to her. That was yep. a good, that was a good that was a good one. Good change. That that's insane. That's cr- Now, the one thing that I did see that is pretty Easily found is the whole I wish I may number, which is what comes up right now. Mm -hmm. Um, The women have, you know, by joining forces, by all kind of agreeing that this is what we're doing, we're all going to be dating Daryl at the same time, that it's worth it. It's worth what I'm getting. Mm -hmm. And so you all kind of came forward in these huge ball gowns, which I don't know where you got these. I don't know if Daryl got them for you or what, but like they're these, g-
0: <laughs> <sweat.
1: laughs> these gorgeous, yeah. dress, right? Exactly. Like I Dream a genie. So you each come forward and you kind of tell a little story and song about who you were as a child and how you want to connect back to that girl. Exactly. Yeah. Once again, a, a, a huge number, very long number on the album. I think it's almost 10 minutes long. Uh where you each have this story and then your voices combine. And Mm -hmm. Daryl then uses that to teach you how to fly, how to tap into those wishes that you had Mm -hmm. when you were little. Mm -hmm. And it's how the first act ends. And to see you all fly, like it gives me goosebumps just to think about it because you're all sitting on this sofa in your beautiful dresses with your eyes closed. And as your eyes close, you just slowly rise up off of the sofa and not only rise up into the air, but then, like, you have patterns and traffic. There's traffic in the air yeah. as you come out into the audience and cross lines. And it's incredible. Like, I know that this was a while ago, but this flying and these special effects hold up. I've never seen anything like it. That's why we had so much time in rehearsal with it
0: because it was kind of a new system. And they kept saying, it's very, very safe, very, very safe. If anything ever goes wrong, it automatically stops. It locks and it's not gonna fall. Nobody's gonna fall, it's just gonna stop. And a few nights it did stop, (laughs) to be clear. Oh my God. I mean, you were laughing, but you said we're sitting on the couch and we close our eyes and the music, as you know, goes "Ah, ah, ah, very orgasmic in tone, right? yeah, Yeah, sure. And then we lift off the sofa, except some nights we don't.
1: Oh gosh! Oh (laughs) gosh!
0: Full of nights we did not lift off the sofa, and we had to just keep. (laughs) And there's no way we can even get up and walk around because we're already connected
1: from our weight
0: to the wires. Because while we are sitting there having this dialogue, the the crew is crawling around behind us, hooking up our gowns to the to the harness so that we can fly, and then they tap us on the side and we know, okay, we we're, can, good to go. we're good to go. And then they leave, they crawl back into their hole, whatever. And then the music <laughs> starts and we're supposed to lift off. But sometimes you don't.
1: Live and, theater, and man. No what did you do? Just did you just have to sell it? Made
0: absolutely no sense because the song <laughs> just keeps modulating and like getting bigger and more. And we're just sitting there like, and, And the devil, you know, Daryl is standing in the corner. He's supposed to watch us out there. My little, you know, my little ones, my little fabulous people. You wonderful. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. And now he's just looking at us sitting on the couch. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. Nothing. You've done nothing. You're sitting there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Done nothing. But boy, they look happy, don't they,
0: folks? There's no curtain. So it's not like it's an intermission break after that. And so you can't just draw the curtain and say, you know, uh, okay, now come in. Somebody come in and get these kids out of here. The light, house lights just went up. Oh, and God. so then they had to watch the guys come and unhook us. And and, and the audience doesn't know that we were going to fly. They Fair. don't know that. They just know something is wrong with this scene. Because like, uh-huh. I kind of uh-huh. let down. And then one night, we went up and out and crossed. And we, Maria and I were on the outside and we came back. And Joanna didn't. She just (laughs) hung out. She was like hanging and it wasn't going anywhere. And then the house lights came up and she's still hanging above their heads. And she has (laughs) a line in the show. I forget how it came about, but somebody makes a comment that she doesn't wear any knickers now. Oh, that's right. Or she's not wearing underwear. So she wouldn't say knickers because that's an English term. It's like she didn't have anything on underneath that. And somebody had remarked about it. So as she's hanging there and the house lights come up, And there's people underneath her looking up her ball gown. She goes, well, you know, it'd be the girl that didn't wear any knickers, you know.
1: (laughs) National (laughs) treasure, treasure Joanna Joanna writing. writing. That's amazing.
0: Into the audience, a ladder and and grab her and take her down and unhook her. I mean, it's hilarious.
1: I love that stuff, man. Theater, that's why we do theater, right? Because it's going to, something like that's
0: going to happen every night. And
1: like the worst case scenario, I mean, I don't want anybody to get injured, but the like the worst case scenario for an audience is like, I was there the night that this happened.
0: Exactly. And I mean, what and a the gift. It's so horrifying when it happens to you and you're there to go, oh my God, I can't believe it. An hour later at Joe Allen's, it's funny, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, oh my God, this happened. And that's why we're in live theater. That's, we we know, because we keep going. We do, it's minute to minute, moment to moment. Audience has no idea how many things are going wrong every night. But you just keep swimming, you know, like, you just keep doing what you do. They won't know.
1: That's amazing. That's amazing. Hey, listeners, have you tried Factor yet? Remember Factor Meals? They were supposed to send me a box to try out, but they don't ship to Hawaii. So now I'm stuck with my Taco Bell. And now it's up to you. It's up to you to try it and let me know how it is because it's May and we can't eat like it's the holidays anymore. We're trying to get our summer bodies together and factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, You'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting food. You can choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, whatever you want, it's here. Head to factormeals.com musicaltheater50, that's musicaltheater with an E-R, and use code musicaltheater50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Musical Theater 50 at FactorMeals.com slash Musical Theater 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. In the second act, I got a shout out Last Night at Daryl's, uh, or you know, another night at Daryl's.
0: Another night at Daryl's.
1: Because you sound phenomenal on it. I mean, were you so excited to have that song? What a showcase.
0: I never thought, I never thought that song worked.
1: Really? Oh, my gosh, it's so great on the album.
0: It's not a it's not a showstopper, though, mm. like Maria. You know, Maria Whoa, was okay, right. Fair. Her song stops the show. Jane's song stops the show. Mine was like, that's cute. It wasn't mm. a showstopper. And we tried when we went to the Prince of Wales Theater, we moved to the second theater, we tried to take some time to fix it, and it never really fixed. They didn't do what they would have had to have done to really correct it and give it the punch that it needed. To, to Maybe it sounds good on the CD, but it doesn't... Doesn't, it didn't really land in the house. Mm. The jokes weren't really funny, like the unveil of the giant booby that she had done, you know? And then there was a lot of... A, it was choreographed of a, a lot of sexual innuendos, like a strip number.
1: It was a tease. Oh, teaser. like burlesque sort of thing. Yeah,
0: and haven't we seen, like, enough of that? It, was, it didn't really take it to the next level. It was still just that, and somebody who's going, I'm so excited to be with... It. But it didn't have what Maria's had, you know, the, like... Look at all those words. Look what she's doing with her mouth. Mm. Oh my God, how did she do that? And Joanna, she's the high notes and the, and it just kept get. I mean, there's that thing took off. Mm. My number never really took off mm. and it was fun, you know, but I have to say it was one of the reasons when I left the show, I was like, you guys aren't ever going to fix this. Are you? And they kept saying that they would, but they never really did. So mm. I'm like, okay. So I didn't miss. And then, I went back to see it a couple of weeks after I left the show and the person who took over for me had a new number, (gasps) same number, entirely different arrangement, entirely different orchestration, entirely different staging, same idea, but it landed. And there were a lot of the things that we talked about, but just never happened. They just never somehow had the time or whatever. I left, they put a new girl in and they fixed all the stuff. So you never know. That happened to me too when I was at Seesaw the national company of Seesaw and Michael Bennett had had it on Broadway and they ran out of time and he couldn't fix all the things he wanted to fix. So when I did the national tour, he took that opportunity to come in and really improve the numbers and really give Gittle a spectacular breakdown number instead of giving it to the chorus, you know, to sing right out the storm. He gave her a whole wonderful breakdown song Mm. and that's all that needed to happen. But it's an okay. Another night at Daryl's is fun. It's just as far as if you're gonna, you know, put them up for who's, yeah, who's really yeah. gonna take stage. It didn't really, didn't cut the
1: mustard. Oh, that's interesting. Well, and in, in, I mean, it just goes to show that, like you said, landing in the house, landing in the theater is a, is a whole other thing, right?
0: Yeah, 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 exactly.
1: Now we, uh, I, I just want to put in there, it's probably my least favorite part of the plot. Of course, it's the ingenues, <laughs> but uh, Alexandra has a son by the name of Michael who's in love with the old biddy Felicia's daughter, who's named Jennifer, and they are constantly dreaming that they're going to be together someday somewhere. And Daryl kind of meddles into that. Daryl uh, takes Michael and teaches him how to be a quote-unquote man, which is basically just a, a lesson in toxic masculinity. Yeah. And in doing so, ruins the relationship between Jennifer and Michael. He scoops her up and she kind of becomes this new thing for him which then is not great for the three witches right because now uh, Daryl has this new girl and she's obviously very young and pure and all that this is the part that I do love though is that the first instinct is for the the women to take it out on her yeah yeah young girl like how sure. dare she come in here with her tiny right. body and huge and you know huge right. stiletto heels? Yeah, and then they realize, wait, well, we're totally misdirecting our anger. Yeah, And yeah. Who did uh, this
0: to us? Did she do this to us, or did he do this to us?
1: Right, and did we let him do this to us?
0: Yeah, it wasn't really the young girl's fault. She was trying to find herself too. Right. So interesting. It was like, gosh, you could be any age, and that. That can appeal to you, you know.
1: The other kind of nail in the coffin, so to speak, for this whole thing to break down is that Felicia dies a really horrible death above like, throwing up all of these different objects. Uh, another crazy amount of special effects that I don't even, I can't even believe how they did yeah, all of that. Right?
0: They had a, a real expert magician uh, working with us on props and stuff. Amazing stuff.
1: She dies. Clyde also dies. In in the yeah. script that I read, he like his tie gets caught in a garbage disposal and he gets strangled to death. Is that is that what you remember? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Anyway, pretty gruesome. So, this uh, young girl who Daryl is now obsessed with, has lost both of her parents, and so he asks her to marry him, and she says yes. So now we're skipping to the end. There's this wedding. There's this wedding everybody is in the town is invited to. It's Daryl and this young young girl, which is incredibly creepy. And it's up to the witches to take him down, to use what they have taught what he has taught them uh Mm -hmm. against him and Mm -hmm. it's done through this sort of like puppet or or voodoo doll right
0: yeah i mean and if i don't believe they're really witches then what does that represent i mean it's all a fantasy right so sure is that i mean they
1: but they have like picked up some tricks of the trade along the way including learning how to fly including this voodoo stuff
0: yeah and what is voodoo anyway is it just intent is it mm. is it marking your intention and following through on it, saying this is what I'm willing to have happen and I really want this? And and everybody putting your energies together and seeing what the universe comes up with. Is that what it is? Is it's not a voodoo doll, really? You know, sure. right. I don't know. But yes, the idea was if you're using the witches as a metaphor and, you know, black magic and all the things that he represented, they were going to spin it around and give him a dose of his own medicine because he was only doing that as I now that you're talking about this I'm remembering he kind of only went with the young girl to spite them because they Mm. were telling him goodbye right they were saying okay thanks we've had enough I appreciate it but goodbye Mm, he was like mm. no no, you don't I will go get her then you know Mm. and he does and they went no you know excuse me we're not letting that happen to her what just happened to us and they first they're mad but like you said then they're like Protection, you know, she doesn't yeah. have any idea what she's getting into. We have to save her.
1: Yeah, that's that's great. I, I love this sequence. It's perfectly preserved on the cast album. Joanna writing belting at the top of her lungs and uh, and you guys are 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 just really handing it to him. It's it's great. Uh, the the movie ends with him like turning into this crazy Jim Henson type creature and sinking down into hell. How did, the, what did what was, the, what was the destruction like for him at the, in the stage version? Do you remember?
0: He kind of like the Wizard of Oz. He, he melts, you know, he, the the, oh. the the church explodes and he kind of goes up in smoke. He
1: gotcha. goes up in smoke. Cool.
0: Yeah. It was quite a procedure. The special effects on that were astounding as we're all standing on stage and the church explodes behind us you know fire and smoke and all this stuff yeah
1: oh my gosh that's insane the very very ending is jennifer and michael come back together so the ingenues end up together and look at me is how is how the show ends with the the three ladies coming together Talking about, uh, I found the magic, the love, the moon up above. Just fully owning their own, and live and standing in their own power. It's like it's everything that we want <laughs> as gay men. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to well, tell it's, is to have these women tell us how to stand in our own power. I mean, that's the reason I'm obsessed with this.
0: <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> well, it's a good metaphor. I mean, it is a good thing to say. He has to. He had to make some statement at the end as a as an author you know and a book writer i don't know what it was in the book john updike book i don't if there was one i don't know what it was but i think that dempsey wanted them to empower themselves and and say what they're really looking for and that was it yeah, yeah. they found themselves however they had to find it
1: i know that the the book ends very very differently where jennifer dies like the the women actually give her cancer and so she dies, but then they feel bad about it. And <laughs> right, there's some remorse. And then they kind of conjure up their individual guys and continue life that way. It's it's a very different ending. But it's
0: interesting how it goes from the book to how are they going to say that in the film to how are they going to take a film and a book and make it into a musical? And exactly. what story are you, what do you want to tell? Like, yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah,
1: and that's why I do love musical theaters because, like, if you're going to have characters sing, they have to sing from a sense of truth and honesty at some point.
0: Absolutely. And so,
1: like, what do you want these characters to say? Yeah. Like, what do you exactly. want them to believe?
0: Exactly. Are you going to be speaking to do- to uh, Jonathan or Dana at all?
1: No, no. I I would like to. By By the way, uh, shout out to both of them who also have Zombie Prom, which is a great show. Uh, the Fix, which has a really great score. Yeah, Yeah, I'd I'd love to have them on the show.
0: I don't think they're writing music together anymore. Writing musicals, it's too bad. They never really broke through because Mm -hmm. Witches was their big shot and it didn't really do it for them. But through no fault of their own, I'm telling you, they were the Mm -hmm. best things about it. And uh, I thought they were magnificent to work with and for, and I keep in touch with both of them. That's so great.
1: That's great to hear. From what I read in the script... There's like, at, at the very end of Look at Me, they've had this really great empowering moment. And then I think it's you talking to Suki. You say like, are you thinking about Daryl? You know, or, or something like that. Like, who's thinking about him? I We sense it. We sense it that somebody's like having a lot's wife mm-hmm. moments and, and looking back. Mm-hmm. And they, they all claim that they're not. And then there's a, a big thunder strike. And all three of you realize you're pregnant. <laughs> that was what was in the script that I read. Is that everybody reached down and touched their like, you know, their midsections, their tummies, and then looked at the audience like, "Oh, oh, no, we didn't." Okay, do that. thank goodness, thank goodness, because I read that and was like, "What?"
0: That may have been in somewhere. I yeah. don't remember that. Or they may have put that in if they put all that other stuff in. They may have done that. That's why I said there had to be something at the end that said the beat goes on. Mm-hmm. It, still ha- it was like, you know how at the end of Pippin, the little guy wants to go off with a circus and you go,
1: Oh no. no,, here we're starting all we're, over. Again. The young
0: kid runs off and it's, and mm-hmm. the parents go, "Oh shit, you know, it's yeah. a little bit Peter Pan, same thing you know, that grows up, and then his kids want to go off and join the circus right. too, you know.
1: yeah,
0: um, I think what happens is with with like everything else, if you've had one of those relationships, and let's say it was the best sex you ever had in your life, and it's really seductive and the chemistry with this person is just uh, can't even, but there's something about it that you cannot have. He's married. You're married. Uh, he's a you know. He's a crook. He's a criminal. Whatever. Mm, There's mm, something mm. that's like no, no, no. And you go, yeah, you're right. I don't do that anymore. I'm never going to do that. It's terrible, horrible. But then it's like just five more minutes. You know, like give me just five more minutes. Because <laughs> just hit the snooze
1: button real fast, and it doesn't
0: be completely go away. What they loved about this guy never really left. They just sort of said, like, snap out of it. You know,
1: mm-hmm. this isn't
0: good for you. Speaking people. of Cher. Yeah, speaking of share.
1: Well, you know, that, I mean, that goes to your addiction metaphor as well, right?
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, they're addicted to him. They're addicted to the sex. They're addicted to everything he was doing for them and the, everything that came with it, the drinking and the, you know, they made it look like just, and let's not forget, they were, they it, 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 it was made to look like they were all having sex together. I mean, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I think they just went like, wait, 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 we ha- how old are we going to be before mm-hmm. we stop? With this? with Like, really? I mean... It was—it's a little much. I'm glad I tried it, but no. Nah.
1: But no, thank you. you. Know. Yeah. No, thank you.
0: We can do without that. But God, that was fun. You know. Yeah. There's always that little. Uh, are you still wishing? Yes, but I'm not gonna. So there. You
1: know? <laughs> I love that. Lucy, thank you so much for going through this with me. This was so much fun. It's,
0: you know what? I haven't thought in detail about this musical. For a long time, and it's interesting that so much of it, like you said, oh, we'll just start talking and it'll come back to you. It really, it does. It, it all kind of, I can visualize stuff I hadn't thought about in a long, long time. I'll write about it someday. If I write a book, I'll write several chapters on Witches of Eastwick because being in the middle, the making of a of a musical is a fascinating thing. You don't get a chance to do that very often. You know, they're playing our song, Witches of Eastwick. Usually you know, you're doing something that's been created by somebody else or and when you get to create a role and, and see how a show is put together, it's really fascinating stuff.
1: Yeah. Especially one on this scale. True.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: As always, if you have recommendations for shows you'd like us to cover on a musical theater podcast, you can always email me at a at gmail.com. I'm starting this thing this new year. You guys listeners, if you want to get a full year of Patreon exclamation point, which is our bonus content for uh, subscribers. Write a review. Write a review for the show. I wanna start off this year with a bang. Write a review, take a screenshot of it, send it to me at amusicalpodcast at gmail.com. I'll give you a free year of our Patreon account. How about that? That's gonna be great. We also are on social media, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitter, a Musical Podcast. We have our tea Public store. We thank you so much for everyone who bought products on our tea Public store because we were able to make that donation to BCEFA at the end of last year. Oh my gosh, you all know I'm grateful for you. Thank you so much. Happy 2023. This is going to be a great year. Hey, Lucy, what you got coming up? Anything you want to plug? How can we follow you?
0: You can follow me at uh from my website. But um, I just had a knee replacement surgery. And then before that, there was COVID. So I am rebooking my shows as we speak. And I'm opening. I'm luckily sold out again at the Purple Room in Palm Springs for two nights, oh, February
1: such a great 34th.
0: Space. I'm going to Kenya to do a gig and it'd be on safari. Hello.
1: You oh can do that gosh. too. Go to the
0: website and look if you want to come with me to Kenya. But that's right after that. That's February 8th through the 18th. So it may be too late to get on that junket that's kind of amazing, fun and, uh, and then i'm just going to go back and start rebooking these these gigs that i unfortunately had to cancel again after canceling and covid because i had to fix my knee next summer i'll be back at 54 below with uh i got the job songs from my musical past oh, and cute. i'm putting that out as a cd live at the purple room oh that's Should fantastic be in another uh three weeks oh so well, yeah just going back to work
1: you put on such a great show and you have so many great stories. So highly, highly
0: recommend. Five stars. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure.
1: It's a pleasure talking to you. Listeners, thank you for listening. And remember, oh, what should the tagline be for this? Be careful remember, what you wish for. Careful what you wish for and always wear your knickers. <laughs> <laughs>